For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Let's start off with a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And now, let's get to the show. Okay, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. Since we last talked, the uh, Wizards had a kind of an up and down week, I would say. They had a 103-101 loss to Toronto, kind of a heartbreaker. Bounced back with a 131-116 win over the Orlando Magic, although I'm not sure Orlando's trying to win games at this point, so maybe that doesn't mean much. A 110-107 win against Golden State, who's also been struggling, but... uh, they won in spectacular fashion, and I want to get your take on that in a second here, Larry. But then, just as we were starting to feel a little good about things again, uh, they had a 134-106 beatdown against the Phoenix Suns, which Bradley Beal missed uh, due to a back injury, and, and we'll get into a little bit of, on his injury history. But just want to get your sort of overall thoughts on on that slate of games. Uh, well, I think that they're just kind of uh, inching along, uh, inching along. Uh, the, the end of the season is getting pretty close, and I think that they're trying to string together uh, good games. I think they're coming out to compete, and I think they want to win games. Uh, but at this point, you just you, you can't get a rhythm to string any games together, mm-hmm. which has been tough for those guys. And then they've been hit with the injury bug, um, you know, with the new guys that came in with the trade, and, and obviously Brad, uh, and just the other things that have, have gone on. So it's 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 tough, you know, but you have to think about, you know, what's ahead and, and make sure that you're putting uh, your best effort, you know, in front every night, because again, you have a fan base, you have leadership. And I think that it's important that you show that, you know, in the big scheme of things, you, you obviously want to win games because you're out there, but then understanding, you know, from a business standpoint, what's in play. I think you're, you're touching on a really important one there. And this is the distinction I'm, I'm hoping you'll help me kind of understand, you know, Brad missed some time with a hip injury, from the 29th of March to the 5th of April, he missed five games with a hip bruise, which hip bruise doesn't sound too terrible. And then I came back and I was like, okay, you know, it's a hip bruise. Like that seems about a reasonable amount of time. But then Beal said, quote, it's a little worse than just a contusion. I've got some nerve stuff going on. Uh, he has, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the condition. Uh, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV, but it's a condition characterized by tingling, numbness, and a burning pain in the lower body that typically takes four to six weeks to heal. 
I get the desire to want to win games. You know, you've got an owner that says like, we will not tank. But at a certain point when a guy's got like a numb leg and he is your franchise player, you know, a, a sprained ankle, like all those things, a jammed finger or a broken finger, you play through that kind of stuff. Anytime I hear nerve pain for one of these guys, I get I get real, uh, real antsy. What do you think about him? Actually, his other quote was, part of me didn't want to play tonight, but I had to play. I have to push through this eventually. So even that is like, uh, is that coming from him? Is that the pressure from the team? It just, I don't know, it's, it's sending kind of a weird message to me here about like how much we're willing to prioritize trying to make that 10 seed that we'd really, you know, maybe push Beal a little too hard. Well, I think as a player, you're always going to push through. You're always going to find a way to, to get out there and, and play. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like the nerve stuff and those, you know, those long medical terms and medical words that, that we can't uh, pronounce, it's best to let the doctors or the training staff really just put a note out to what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, anything that requires any sort of extensive sort of imaging my rule is always let the doctors explain what's going on because if, it, if, if I have a broken finger or a sprained ankle, like I can explain that. Like I, I know I can push through that. But when you start talking about these medical terms and, you know, how things affect this or, you know, you know, the knee bone is connected to the, right. to the shin bone and all of that sort of thing. I mean, we're not versed in those medical terms. So Scott Brooks made that exact joke too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, from the outside looking in, like, we don't know what that means. And for him to try to explain his thought process on to push through, well, I mean, we're looking at the game, so we don't know if that's something, if that's, you know, if that's something that's smart to do. So my note is to always just let the – if something that takes imaging, allow the team to put out the statement – of what you're going through mm-hmm. and then your work is always your work if you can go you can go but you should never try to explain you know those little nuances and those medical terms and those long words because again everything is connected to something and you know you just run into those issues and so perfect segue he mm-hmm. uh, you know missed a following game with a back injury had to leave in the middle of a game go get it checked out came back mixed, you know missed the next game and Scott Brooks immediately said, oh, the two things are not related, but then made the same comment about, you know, what's connected to what. So I just, I never assume that those things are a coincidence when you've just said you have nerve pain in your hip and then two days later you have to leave a game with a back injury. They attributed it to just being stiff from sitting those five games out and trying to go uh, without sort of proper like lead up time. But I mean, again, Scott Brooks, also not a doctor. So I'm hoping that that's the team saying that the two things probably aren't linked. It just, I don't know, it's, it sends a weird message to fans. Like, I think most of us consider this a lost season. So are we really going to grind this guy into the ground? Just, you know what I mean? It, it just seems like the team is sort of trying to, like maybe Scott Brooks is trying to get guys to play through some stuff, you know, keep keep his job maybe potentially. Like, it, it just, I don't I don't know what we're saying, I guess. Well, we're smarter than that. I think we're, we're smarter than that because we know in a normal year, uh, if a guy misses five games, there's no way that he's going to play one game without the proper practice time yeah. and the proper reps to see how his body is going to react mm-hmm. to that sort of work after coming back. 
So we know better. Like, even though this is a condensed season and all of these things and there's less practice time, you have to get it in when you can. I mean, you take the, the KD approach. Obviously, there's not, there hasn't been a lot of practices. He hasn't gotten a chance. To, so they just held him. And maybe he was healthy enough to come out and play, but they didn't know. So when you talk about a franchise player, it's like, you better know that that guy is, is good to go. I mean, mm-hmm. all kind of shit can, things can happen, you know, as soon as you walk on the court. I mean, yeah. anything can happen. But it's your best interest to know what sort of load that player can take during a real life game after sitting X amount of days or X amount of games. I mean, that's just we just know that. I mean, we know better. These things could could be related. They could not. But like me personally, I mentioned on the show before, I, like I play a lot of tennis. I tore ligaments in my wrist, played through it. The next year I tore ligaments in my elbow, played through it. And now I'm having shoulder problems. You know, what I'm like, it, it's. I don't know. I just a hip is a scary thing. It's it's connected to a lot of other stuff there. It's not soft tissue injury. Like I pulled a quad and, and things that like if you pull a quad, it can obviously hurt and last and linger and all those things, but it's probably not going to screw your back up or your feet up or or any of that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. I just that that gave me sort of the the heebie jeebies here and I'm talking through like, well, I didn't really want to play because my legs numb. I, I would encourage I would encourage Brad to be smarter. I would encourage Brad to be smarter, you know, with another eight to 10 years to go in this game, I, I would say be smarter. Yeah. And, and he just missed the this Phoenix game with that back injury. And I, I have, as of this recording on Monday, I have not seen if he intends to play tonight against Utah, but last I saw he was sort of a game time decision and the team thought he could try to make it back. So, so even that is like, if he's questionable, even at this point, like you just said about like KD, like if you're not sure, don't do it or give him like a, you know, a really long time and shoot around to really figure out if, you know, if he's good to go or not. Larry, that just sort of leads into a bigger conversation. The team's 19 and 32. They're playing good teams and starting to get blown out. The, the games they're winning are against teams that, you know, frankly, aren't that good right now. Uh, you know, with 20 games left here, what, what should we expect? What what should the team do? Like, I'm just trying to make sense of of what they should do versus what I know they'll inevitably do, which is grind these guys into the ground until they are mathematically eliminated. Well, I think that you you know you put a game plan in in place to to go win that basketball game, sure. and you have to be smart with the number of injuries that Brad is kind of picking up through the latter part of the season, and you also have to be mindful of the things that Westbrook went through through the early part of the season. Mm-hmm. And he's now starting to hit a good stride where he's getting a, you know, a little bit healthier. So you don't want to hurt that. You don't want to throw the pennies into the ocean just because there, a, a wish might, you know, you might yeah. get your wish, right? I mean, you just, you don't want to do that. So just knowing, you know, the position of your team and knowing where you're trying to go is very huge. Again, we've talked about this early on is just having a plan. So even though that the season is, Coming to a close, I think that the coaches, they need a plan, but also the front office, they need a plan as well. And I think that they have to be on the same page. And once the coaches are on the same page with the front office, then you have to bring the players in to make them understand, you know, hey, if we pull you out before your time, you know, in the first quarter, it's not because you did anything wrong. It's just we're going to stretch these minutes out Mm -hmm. and we're going to allow you know, guys to play, but we're also going to make sure that you guys are getting your reps uh, and continue to stay in the game because we all want to play. No matter what the record is, we, we still want to play basketball. So I think that that's sort of the, um, that's the approach that I would take 
especially going through the um, to the end of the season. And if you have nights where like Brad doesn't play, I, I would not be like giving thirty minutes to Raul Neto at the, Raul Neto at this point, like and starting him in Brad's place. Like I get it; it's trying to win the game, but also I'd really love to know what. Uh, you know, Garrison does is now the starting two guard. You know, he's probably not a natural small forward. So can he be Brad's backup next year? Like, let's, let's give him those minutes. Let's get Bonga back out there. Like, let's really, let's get Hutchinson as many minutes as we can and really understand what next season looks like. Or maybe one of these guys catches fire down the stretch and gives you some trade value in the off season. Or uh, if you force feed Denny, like over the last 20 games, okay, maybe that speeds up the development a little bit. Like, Rui's looked really good over the last month, especially uh, people have talked about offensively, but he's made steady growth over the last couple months uh, in terms of, like, defensive rating and things like that. So, you know, can can he take 35 minutes in a, in a big game? Let, let's see what that's like. Like, there's no reason you should have a game where Rui plays 20 minutes at this point. I, I just don't understand what the value of that is. Here's something you don't know about me. I don't sleep well, but I am really good at staying awake and staring at my ceiling. So I'm always looking for new ways to get my shit together. My head hits the pillow and bam, my mind races to what I didn't do, what I need to do, yada yada. Relatable? Yeah, it sucks. Fortunately, I found Sunday Scaries and realized they make products specifically for overthinkers and night owls like me. Sunday Scaries CBD gummies help me decompress, clear my head, and fall asleep so I can actually wake up a fully functioning human being. And there's no risk to try. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries, in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. And I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code WIZARDS for your discount. That's promo code WIZARDS for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing, and you won't regret joining their squad. Yeah, I think that that's good to, to think about it that way and to build that rhythm and also to help uh, encourage the guys that haven't been playing or even the young guys, quote-unquote young guys, uh, to get more reps to see, you know, what sort of challenge they can present to you know, next year's guys that are coming in. I mean, everybody wants to fight for a spot. And you also talk about the, the value that you create within, you know, the trade space of just really building your team. I mean, a lot of teams are going to be looking for, you know, the back half of their rosters, you know, from eight to 14. And I think that that's important to understand because you have pieces that fit differently or better in certain situations. So you're able to maneuver around a little bit more if you have that value within that player if you can point to a couple games if you can point to a stretch where that player has value then obviously in your conversation about that player you can speak to exactly that issue and that's fresh on the minds when you go into building your roster and a number of teams are going to be in the same boat Uh, some players are going to work well in certain situations than they would in other situations so it's about being smart and bringing in things that complement what you're trying to do and just really understanding what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, I think everything goes to what you've talked about all year, which what's your plan for this team? What's the identity? If you have that in mind for how these guys should look moving forward, you, you put those guys in those contexts the rest of the year. And again, I'm not saying like throw games. If the team is adamant, they don't want to do that. The players don't want to do that. I'm all for it. But to me, letting Rui, who's been good play 35 minutes as opposed to 23 
is still trying to win games and you've served the dual purpose of let's see how good this guy can be in like heavy starters minutes. And you want to preserve what you have. I mean, that's not a bad thought process. I mean, you put yourself in this position. I mean, to, you know, your record is what your record is because of what you've done on the court. Yep. But now it's time to, you know, have that strategy on, you know, which players are going to make the most sense. And then you do have the two stars, you know, they, they've logged the most minutes. I mean, they, their usage is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. So you want to respect that because, again, you're talking about Brad, you know, another eight to ten years, Westbrook, another five to eight, somewhere in there. I mean, but you have these guys for a nice period of time where you could start to put pieces together and win games. It's not always – my Stephen A. deal. It's not always about winning championships. Like, you have to put a product out there on the floor yeah. that's going to compete every single night and when a team is coming into your building or you're going into their building, their first thought is, oh, shit. Not, oh, shit, that this team is a championship contender. is like, oh, shit, we have to deal with this team every time we play them. And that would be my mentality. And, and Larry, tell me what you think about this. I always look at it as, you know, those kinds of, like, like incremental progress things are stuff that free agents look at. Like, it, you may not be a contender, but – hey, this team is trending in the right way. Like, they're a tough matchup. They got guys that do it the right way. Those are dudes I'd want to play with. Like, we're going to compete, and we're going to start to get better. And if you're, like, a a younger, up-and-coming guy, like, you have a chance at playing actual minutes on a team like this, whereas on a top contender, you might not. And and also, you you can grow your skill set and also maybe improve that team, too. So I would think that's a way that you can start to, like, entice people longer term to want to come play here. And style of play is is huge. Mm-hmm. Style of play is huge. Whatever system that you're running on offense plays a part in, in that decision. And whatever system that you're running, you know, on the, on the defensive side of the ball plays a part in those decisions. So having a sound plan when you're talking to free agents about what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, again, helps you, you know, build in a way that's going to be positive. I've heard a couple of the young sort of guys that have made strides in the last year or two, like a Julius Randle, uh, De'Aaron Fox, like guys that are trending up, say that their coaching staff has held them like super accountable for everything. Randle went into like how uh, Tom Thibodeau was like the most detailed guy. And, he, you know, he's over practicing them right now by conventional standards. And, and that's better for them because that's helping them improve. I, I think, you know, this generation, especially like these guys want to get better and want to put in the work, you know, hearing like the wizards uh, because they've got vets and stuff like that are barely practicing and, and all those things, you know, is sort of less enticing to me if you're that sort of next crop of guys. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they always say, you know, good players, they love to be coached or great players. They love to be coached. I mean, to have a system and have the expectations and the accountability is huge. I mean, and I've been, you know, in locker rooms, I've had conversations with guys that have played for, for Coach Tibbs, and they hate the pro- they hate the process, but they love the rewards that come from that process. Mm-hmm. And being a professional, you have to you have to take that because all of us we love to see our name go across the bottom of the screen on ESPN. All of us like to see us, you know, in that top ten sort of highlight. So there's work that's associated with that. And there's accountability that's associated with that. So it's not always bad to think of like coaching a star or, or, you know, it's it's hard to coach these guys in the NBA. I think that that's one of the guys that you can definitely point to as a coach that that's always, you know, made his team put in the work because he knows how much they love 
the success that comes out of that work, you know, Chicago teams, all of that stuff. I mean, it, it plays a part in, in your, in your package, your accountability, uh, the respect that you have for the coaching staff, the respect that you have for your teammates, um, how you build that respect. You don't build that respect on days off. Like you don't build team camaraderie. You don't build respect on days off. You only build those things when you're going at it, you're putting in the work, you're tired of it, but that's what comes from going through that sort of process of being great. So that, you know, that's, that's really my take on it is yes, you want to preserve and yes, but you have to have a strategy. And I've said it a thousand times. It's like, if you're going to sit guys, if you're going to plan to do things this way or that way, just have a strategy, just have a plan and, and, you know, be able to communicate that. We might as well just make that like the tagline on our show. Cause I don't know how many times we can implore these guys to like, just to have something you're working toward, like an actual, here's the, the blueprint for us. Man, I, I wake up in the morning, every morning I wake mm-hmm. up, I take a look at my calendar and I start to strategize my time of the day, what I have to do when I can, what I have to do before this meeting or what I have to do before I have to be there. So that's kind of that. That's what I talk about when I just talk about a plan and strategies, mm-hmm. like looking at something and then figuring out how to accomplish that goal. I would imagine you were like that as a player too. And your day was pretty well scripted, you know, obviously travel changes from day to day and game to game and, and you know, things like that. But, you know, you had a set routine, you know, like here's, if you were a guy that took a nap, like here's when I nap, here's when I ate, here's when I stretched, like here's, you know, here's when I start my pregame uh, playlist or, you know, whatever those things were. Is that fair? Oh, it was all dialed in. It was all dialed in. I mean, my nap time, I uh, was dialed in, you know, law and order was always on, you know, during my nap time. Yeah. I, ate, I, I woke up, ate pregame meal, pretty close to the exact minutes before I would have to leave, you know, every day, just depending on, like you said, road or at home, mm-hmm. but there was a routine for home. And there was also a routine for waking up in the hotel, but you need that. I mean, you need that because that creates uh, great habits that creates discipline and you need, you know, that higher authority holding you, you know, accountable for that, that strategy that you put in place as well. You know, this is just personal experience. I, I'm sure this exists, but you know, I've yet to meet somebody really successful that doesn't like some amount of structure to their day and the way they go about things. And as a team, I don't know, you just, you hear a lot of stuff from, from this group specifically that makes me question how much structure is involved. And, and just going back to the one that sort of was the biggest thing for me this year is the the rotation didn't come back around to him or uh, yeah, these guys need to watch more film. Like, I mean, I I can promise you Tom Thibodeau does not sit in their post game press conferences when they lose and say, yeah, I I wish these guys would go out and watch more film. Like they probably are having very labor intensive, you know, like arduous uh, film study sessions as a team after losses like that. So I don't know. I'm not saying Thibodeau is the guy for the Wizards, but I would love to see whatever this team looks like next year to be a lot more, you know, regimented, especially when you have those young guys that, that seem to need it. Like if Russ doesn't need to do those things at this point, that's great. And, or he can be the guy that says like, I needed this when I was younger. Here's, you know, younger guys, here's what you get from that and can help you with that. that lean on your vets to kind of help make that point, I would think. Exactly uh, right. Yep. Just sticking with Westbrook here for a second. Over the last 14 games, he's averaging 23 points, almost 14 rebounds, 12 and a half assists, shooting 43% from the field, 30% from three, not so great. 
is up to 70% from the free throw line, which is an improvement over the first half of the year. And the, it, that sounds great. And, and the team and the broadcast crew, they love to talk about the triple doubles. In those 14 games, he has 11 triple doubles. You know, he's 20-some triple doubles away from the all-time record. But the team is 5-9 and nine during that 14-game stretch. So at a certain point, like, again, I'm not going to say triple doubles are meaningless stats, but I'm just really kind of sick of hearing about the triple double in a game like the Phoenix game where you're down 27 points, like we're doing the triple double watch. Like, as a player, does that stuff kind of annoy you to hear? Like, it's like, well, how, how about, you know, if we're nine and five over that stretch, I'm much more interested in what those stats are leading to, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think the results matter. And again, you know, all of these things with triple doubles and, you know, the number of points that these guys will score, you know, whether it's before this age or just in their career, I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's, it's not going to be something that we can compare, you know, we can continue to compare these guys too when you talk about the number of triple doubles or the amount of points they score, assists that they have because of the number of possessions that they get nowadays. It's just, you, so, you, so you have to bank on, if you're winning those basketball games or not, because it, it doesn't matter if you're scoring a bunch of points because there's a bunch of possessions. It doesn't matter what wrong, wrong word, wrong word. It, it matters. Right. But there's, there's not a lot of weight that you put onto those sort of accomplishments because you have so many possessions. So if you go back into the history of the game, and you start to compare guys to certain guys four or five, six years, you're not going to be able to compare those guys anymore because the numbers are going to be so crazy that you're going to give more credit to situations that don't necessarily deserve the most credit. So when you talk about the triple doubles that that Westbrook is having, it's an individual accomplishment that's not transferring into team wins or team accomplishments. So that's something that you, you know, you tip your head off to Russ because he plays so hard. He's not giving up any possessions. He's playing, um, you know, as long as he can, can play as hard as he can play. So you reward that with the acknowledgement, but you don't factor that into any sort of team greatness because you, it, the, the wins are not transferring. But I do think, I still think that that's a great accomplishment. It's great for, for Westbrook to do is because it shows that he's not taking anything off, but at the same time, it's not, a measuring stick to if your team is going to be successful or not, if, you know, you're putting up triple doubles or, you know, you're leading the league in scoring, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter in the big scheme of things uh, because you can't slide those things over into your team win column. Yeah. I think we're totally on the same page here too. And, and before the, the Westbrook cult gets on us, we have been very pro from, from day one when they made the trade, Hey, you know, triple doubles are not a meaningless dad and things like that. Like it, it means he is, like you said, working hard and all those things. I just, I just don't care about it when the team is struggling the way it is. Like it, it's great for him. I hope he accomplishes lots of things that makes the franchise look better to have a Hall of Fame guy associated with it. All, all that stuff is great. It's just, let's also talk about turnovers. Let's talk about efficiency. Let's talk about defensive rating. I, I tend to think that, you know, when, when Russ got his MVP, like he spurred that team to wins like those stats led to them winning but he's been worse from the free throw line his shooting is down from that overall defensively he's he's taken a couple steps back I think he's always been kind of a high turnover guy but you know I I think he has more offensive weapons here even than he did 
in Oklahoma City, assuming everybody's healthy. So there should be less stuff he presumably has to force. And the turnovers he makes a lot of times are just like he went up in traffic and lost the ball and things like that. So it's just I would love to see those things improve, I guess, as opposed to just the, the counting stats. But that's all that, that we seem to hear about, I guess. All right. Last sort of thing I want to circle back to here, Larry, on, on sort of the stat front. And this is per Fred Katz. So I don't want to plagiarize here, but he mentioned that the Wizards score 113 points per possession when Beal is on the floor. And that's the 12th best scoring team in the NBA this year. So that would be a pretty good offense as long as Beal is on the court for 48 minutes. When Beal's off the floor, they scored 99.1 points per 100 possessions. And if you translated that over the course of the season, it would be the NBA's worst offense in the last five years. And I think this goes back to something we've talked about, that you just have to find ways to have other guys actively involved so that when it's, you know, it's not Russ with four guys that can't score when Beal's out of the game or, or whatever that looks like. But I mean, that, that's an eye-opening number for just how bad they've been when Bradley Beal isn't there to sort of lift them up offensively. Yeah, but it's not surprising. I mean, it's, it's not surprising at all. It's their style of play. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, their, it's their lack of, of player and ball movement. So when you have to plug somebody in, they're not playing the same way. Like, you're just relying on somebody else to, you know, be the one-on-one player or be the offensive-minded player. You're not allowing the team concepts to play in uh, where you have ball movement and player movement. And that, so that, that's not necessarily, um, you know, it doesn't phase me or, or, or make me jump at all because I understand, you know, how those guys are playing and Brad's ability is what they're relying on. I mean, that's, that's what they're relying on. And the other thing that I, I'd like to track or, you know, is your hockey assist to understand that the team is also tracking your hockey assist mm-hmm. because that allows players to understand that it doesn't have to be them. You can make the pass. It's yeah. going to make the pass. And I'm not sure if that's communicated within each locker room, but I know when I was in Cleveland, we tracked those, you know, hockey assists. Brown was such a great passer, uh, was, was willing to get off the basketball at, at any time. Um, so we didn't want him to feel as if he, if, he, if he didn't make that scoring pass and he wasn't a, a value. So if you made that hockey assist in, you started that play. And I'm not sure anybody's ever really had that conversation with Russ because he holds the basketball or he fires shots into the, you know, to the scoring passes that, you know, are, are, are things that you could use the hockey assist and make, get a better angle to create a better shot. And Larry, so how much does that relate to the best player on the team setting that tone for guys? Like, like you said, LeBron was a willing, unselfish guy. How much does that sort of free everyone up to then follow that lead? Like if, if Brad is now the guy looking to create for others more, does that make Garrison Matthews think, well, I don't have to shoot every time the ball makes it around to me and things like that? Well, I think that's a note. I mean, that's a note because, because Brian would champion, you know, the hockey assist. Like he would mm-hmm. come in and talk and look at the board and like talk to guys about like who had the most hockey assists. So it was, it was more than just, you know, that, you know, the, the team putting that in place, you know, Braun wanted to make sure that it was a thing. So we both just sat here and said, we were not surprised by that stat. It just sort of confirmed the eye test for us. How is the team not making, I mean, maybe they are, and it's just not working, but why is that not a point of emphasis for them then? If this has sort of been the case for most of the season, actually, I think it's gotten worse as the season's gone on. So 
if you see that as a coaching staff, how is that not like priority number one? Like we have to be better when Brad's not on the court. Uh, it's system. It's system and everyone understanding how they play a role in that system. It's a, you know, it's, it's continuity. It's, it's player movement. It's ball movement. So you understand if you're in the offense, you're not in position to make that scoring pass and you have to move that basketball to allow someone else to make that pass. But it's not me holding on to the basketball and making every play and making every assist. I mean, if you have Russ that has, you know, 17 assists and you have 25 for the game, like, it's a problem. There, there's, there's a problem. So, you know, somebody's holding the basketball too much and not allowing, you know, everything to flow. And, again, it's not a bad thing to have a triple-double. But when you talk about the majority of the action, somebody's creating the majority of the action – uh, it becomes a problem because when you, you can't plug and play, you can't, you know, substitute and keep the same sort of energy and flow going. Like you don't have that because you're missing the guy that you were putting all the, you know, putting all the rocks on. Yeah. If everything relies on that one cog or two cogs, when they come out of the game, uh, the stuff comes to a, a kind of a grinding halt. That's, that's definitely what we've seen. All right. Just switching gears again to a guy that's not going to get us much in the assist category, but will be someone we hope finishes a lot of those, especially next season. Daniel Gafford. Is it too early for me to say that he's already my favorite player to watch on the Wizards? Like he comes back from the ankle injury, has nine points, five rebounds, a couple blocks in only 17 minutes of play while, you know, sort of still a little banged up apparently and on a minutes restriction. But I've liked what I've seen so far, Larry. What, what do you think of him, you know, from your perspective? Well, he's exactly what you want when you make a trade. Someone to bring in a fresh energy, someone to bring in a, a new look, mm-hmm. and somebody that's hungry to be successful and somebody's hungry to, you know, show that they belong. So I think he's done all of that. Um, you know, coming out of a situation in Chicago, he felt like he could have done more, been used more. So once he gets to, to Washington, he's actually trying to execute on that and, and do more and do as much as he can for the team to win and be – you know, the player that he wants to be. And I think he's an active big that can score around the basket, uh, can, can, you know, if not block the shot, change the shot. And I think that that's a very, a very important skill within the NBA, especially the number of shots and things that, that these guys are getting today is to have that skill. of not, If you can't block the shot, have the awareness and the agility to change the shot. I think that that's something that he brings to the table. And he's brought, you know, just that different sort of, energy from the from the big guy spot you know that the Wizards were lacking when they lost Thomas I think they kind of bring that same sort of energy a different style of play obviously but they bring that same sort of um, tough man mentality yeah and, and that's another guy that I hope once the minutes restriction is over we start to see like heavily featured so you know coming into that next year and you said this when they made the trade like now you don't have to rush Bryant back I, I think that's sort of huge. Like even if he's not a hundred percent to start next season, you can feel a little bit more confident going into next year that like, all right, we've got a guy that can, you know, admirably fill in for him or, or even maybe he starts and Brian comes off the bench, you know, depending on what the rest of the personnel looks like. Uh, I think NBC, NBC's Chase Hughes said, you know, I'm, I'm sure over time we'll start to see more of the things that led to Gafford falling out of the rotation in, in Chicago or whatever. And, or, you know, what some of the warts to his style of play are. And I think that's fair too. Like, you know, we'll, there might be some things we don't like over time, but I think the things he do bring, or he do I think the things he does bring are the things that the Wizards needed him to bring. And you can live with, okay, maybe he's not a stretch big or, 
you know, he's not the burliest guy to defend the Embiid's of the world or whatever. But but that's why you keep a Robin Lopez on the bench to be your big body for those situations. Like it's a compliment situation. Well, I, I think for what you gave up, I think you brought him in again to evaluate his talent. And you have a, you you're obviously one man, one big guy down with Thomas being down mm-hmm. and his timeline to come back. He'll come back. Uh, but you are you know, bringing another big guy into the fold. So it's a, it's an opportunity to evaluate the talent. And how do you evaluate, evaluate the talent? It's um, understanding his work ethic, understanding what sort of time he puts into uh, the weight room, into film sessions, into uh, all the things it's going to take to help your team become successful. So you get a chance to evaluate that and not just about being, you know, on the court, uh, you know, doing those games, but, practice habits, shoot around habits. Uh, these are young guys. So, so you're trying to build a culture and a foundation to, to start to put pieces together to win. So I wouldn't take that lightly, you know, the evaluation process. Yes, you have some on the court things and that comes from the development staff and understanding, you know, what sort of role he'll play, but just a total evaluation of, of how he is as a professional and, you know, the sort of, effort and energy he's going to put into getting better because again he's he's just getting started so he has a lot to uh, give to the table i'm 100 percent with you there uh just between now and when we uh, have our next episode come out the team plays the utah jazz the sacramento kings the new orleans pelicans the detroit pistons there's some winnable games in there i mean they they have looked good against some of the good teams too so even the utah one tonight presumably could be one they inch out but Again, I think I would implore the team to to try to check a couple boxes at once if they can get some of those young guys out there and not run Brad and, and Westbrook into the ground, and, and we'll see where we're at. Larry, before I get you out of here, I, I just want to circle back to something we talked about the other week, and, and we talked a little bit about Larry Brown and playing with Allen Iverson and things like that. Uh, I heard Roger Bell make a comment in the last week or two that I meant to, to ask you about. And he said he had this, when he was playing in Philadelphia, he said he'd had this cold for like multiple weeks that he couldn't shake because he was staying out till like 5 a.m. every night, partying, partying with Iverson. And finally, Larry Brown pulled him aside and just said, hey, look, you're not AI. You can't, you can't hang with a guy like that. Like you're going to like stay sick the rest of the year if you try to keep that up and you're not good enough to do it. So get your priorities straight. Uh any situations that you had like that with, with AI where like, all right, I want to keep up and I want to like bond with my teammates, but maybe it's grinding me down a little bit. Or, or are there any other guys that like AI is a legendary partier, any other dudes that you, that you had as a teammate that's just like, I don't know how this guy did it, but you know, he showed up to practice and, and kicked ass the next day still. Man. Uh, I had a bunch of teammates. <laughs> Remember this is a different, different time. <laughs> It's a different time. You don't have to sell anybody out here either. I'm just sort of curious. Yeah, some of them were starting, some of them were starting five, some of them were the tenth man off the bench. But yeah, this was a different time. Now, I think if I had to pick one guy, um, it, it would be AI. Uh, it, it would be AI. I mean, I, I mean, I was able to, to to keep up somewhat, but I wasn't a huge drinker, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't really drink, right? So I wasn't, a, it wasn't really a problem for me to like get up the next day sure. because I, I didn't really drink. So there's two uh, stories that I can tell. Let's you know, do it. Since we're, we're, we're talking about it. So I was in, uh, this was in Cleveland, I mean, excuse me, in uh, Philadelphia, uh, first year, and we were on a road trip to 
when we were in Chicago, road trip in Chicago, I think uh, DC, uh, Derek Coleman uh, had been on the team and we were maybe celebrating something. Maybe it was his birthday or something we were celebrating. But we get to go out, you know, to a little restaurant or bar area. And DC is, I mean, he's classic. Like you can't keep up with DC. Like DC, either you drink it or you wear it. Like, you go out with DC, <laughs> Either you drink it or you wear it. I mean, that's 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 how he operates. That's awesome. So they were, we ordered a bunch of shots and things to the table, and I, t- I took one shot, right? I took one shot, but there was a bunch of shots coming. So the next day, um, you know, we get ready. We have shoot around, and, you know, we got to call time. I'm, anytime I'm out with, with, with Alan, I always got to make sure, hey, I, I call him, make sure he's ready, you know, to, because if I go and he gets left back, man, it's it's on me. So I call Al, you know, we're all down in the, in, the lo- in the lobby waiting on the bus. And I notice I don't have my jersey. Oh, shit. Okay. So it's like five minutes to go before the bus actually leaves. And, and Larry Brown, like, you late for the bus, like, you get totally left. Yeah. Like, there's no question. <laughs> so I go up, I try to run up to go and get my jersey. And by the time I come down, the bus is gone. So I have to, you know, take a cab and, you know, get over to practice. And as soon as I walk in, Larry Brown is knew exactly who I was out with, knew exactly what happened. I mean, I mean, down to the place that we were at, he was like, oh, you were at such and such last night, huh? And it wasn't the case because I was up early mm-hmm. in time enough to, to make the bus, but I maybe that one drink kind of threw my judgment off that I could actually run back up and make it down. So that was one of the spots that Larry Brown knew that I was out with AI, but AI actually made it to practice, so he actually got on me for being out with AI, knowing that, hey, he can go out and hang out and make it to practice or make it to shoot around, and you can go out and you don't make it in time for shoot around. So that was a, a X that I had on me. And the other one was Miami. We were uh, hanging out in Miami. Um, we, had, we got in like late, you know, late that night, so we all went out, had a good time, and we had shoot around that next morning. And this is what you don't want to do as a young guy. You don't want your coach to know that, you know, you've been hanging out all night. We came to shoot around in the exact same clothes that we went out to the club in. Beautiful. I'm talking about jeans and Tim's in Miami. We came to shoot around in that gear. That's awesome. So, again, it's like he's the guy. Like, he is the guy. Like, you better figure out what you're doing <laughs> or you won't be around here too long. And, you know, those are – I have a bunch of stories, man, of just that, you know, when you think about who the star is and who the best player is and then kind of how you – you know, how the coaches see everybody else. But that's one – that's a couple of stories that I had that you can hang out, but you got to be careful on how you present yourself the next day. And that's the most it's, – it's about the next day. It's not about the hanging out. It's about what you do the next day. And he was always a guy that could come in and run and, you know, act like nothing ever happened. It was funny hearing, hearing both sides of the spectrum because, I mean, you know, you're a lottery pick, like a featured player on that team. And, like, you probably got a little more leeway with that than somebody like Raja did that's, like, you know, barely on a roster at, at that point and sort of working his way into the league. Like, that's, that's probably even tougher to pull off when you're the 10th or 11th guy, like, yeah. You know, you, you can't you can't be showing up sick because you partied too much. 
Yeah, so that, that was the thing. It was probably the, the draft, you know, status helped me out. He never said that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. He just always made the comment of, in, like, it was like, in order for us to be good, Allen has to do the right things. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to always tell Allen what the right things are. Yeah. So he would tell me. Right. And then I would have to figure out, you know, maybe if I didn't go out, then Allen wouldn't go out. Maybe yes. that's what the coach was trying to say. So, I, I mean, it was, a, it was a bunch of mind games, but I had a great time. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're going to remember those stories more, uh, you know, at, at this point in your life than, than, than if it had gone the other way. But that's also a lot to ask on a young player, too, to like, hey, be the good influence for the star because we can't really talk to him. It'd be one thing if it was like another, you know, seasoned vet or something, or, or Eric Snow is the guy to come up to him and be like, hey, Alan, you can't do that shit. He couldn't, he couldn't relate to him, though, because he would never be the guy that's actually hanging out. So he couldn't tell the other side of the story. Like, well, you can't do this. Well, how do you know I can't do this? You've never really tried it. Yep. I was a guy that was like, what are we doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, when you're, you know, when you're, you're, you're late teens, early 20s, it's like, all right, I, I only need four hours of sleep anyway. So last question on that, Larry, just because I'm, I'm curious and I'm sure fans love shit like this, too. Uh, when NBA players go out, is it typically like – at you know nights on travel days after games does it sort of not matter it depends on the situation and and when you fly out the next day like what's what's sort of the how how does that work i guess it it, it depends on how much rest you can get so if you get in say you get in at 11 o'clock and but you don't play until you know 7 p.m the next day well if you got in late then that means you had a game mm -hmm. so you're probably not going to have a shoot around depending on what part of the season or you know kind of where you're at in the standings on what the coach feels is necessary mm. but in times like that when you can get in at 11 and then you don't have to work again until seven I mean it's it's, it's free game I can get you know five six hours of sleep in and then you know go and, and play the game also but it, it, it just depends on when you get into a certain place mm -hmm. and then what time do you have to work the next morning or the next day. If you have to work the next morning, then, you know, your nights are, are obviously a little bit shorter. Do you feel like guys hung out and did stuff like that less as, you know, as you progress through your career? Like, I feel like you hear less of those types of stories from this generation of guys. And presumably with social media, if guys were, were you know, going crazy, like we would see it everywhere. Um, you know, I think they entertain themselves a little bit different. You know, and like it is a social media world. And for, for me, when I was, when we were hanging out, I mean, we were there with the people that we were with to have a really good time. Mm -hmm. Now when these guys go out, you know, everybody has a camera phone and, you know, you're not really enjoying yourself yeah. or you may be somewhere where you don't want people to know that you're there. Sure. So, you know, you have to not go to those sort of places. So I think that the guys now have it harder because of all of the, you know, all of the social media space and just going into a place or just going into, you know, just say a bar, you know, just, just a little bar, just to have a drink, just to decompress. I mean, somebody's pulling out a camera phone now to show that you were in this little bar when that, that wasn't the case before, you know, so I think these guys have it, you know, much, much tougher nowadays. Yeah. I mean, like you said, somebody takes a picture of you at a bar and then it becomes, Oh, this team doesn't take it, you know, life seriously. They don't care about winning. And it's like, Every person deserves to blow off a little steam. You know, yeah. if you got a nine to five, I'm sure you go to a work happy hour, things like yeah. that. You know, it's just, it's definitely crazy. Uh, thank you for entertaining me there. That was awesome. I hope people enjoyed <laughs> that. I, I figured uh, 
Larry's played with some legendary guys here. I, I got to imagine he uh, yeah. he had a couple couple wild nights like that. Folks, if there's stuff like that we can uh, sort of entertain you with, uh, life in the NBA kind of stuff, let us know, and, and we'll see if we can get uh, Larry to, to fill us in here a little bit like that. Cool. Uh, all right, folks, as always, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hopefully we at least see some some good competitive games from the Wizards uh, over the you know the rest of the, the week or so here. And you know whatever it is, uh, whether we end up in the top of the lottery standings or we make the playing game, uh, hopefully it's at least entertaining along the way. All right, until next week, everyone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.